Good evening, and welcome to another edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined, as always, by my buddy Rob. What's going on, Rob? Not much. I'm still kind of coming down from from that more exciting than we bargained for victory. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Wasn't it ever? Um, we have lots to say tonight. Ow! Um, <laughs> that was for you, Jeff. Uh, wherever you are. Um, Welcome, everybody. We are excited to be with you. This is the most, probably the busiest week in the history of JMU Sports. Maybe certainly in the history of the time we've been doing this, Rob. Every sport is, almost every sport except field hockey is up and running right now. And we are entering like CAA play and football and the tournaments for basketball at the same time. Uh, so I don't know. I don't, we, we talked about how to divvy up the coverage tonight. Uh, we're going to start with football. We're going to move to basketball, men's basketball, because they play the tournament this weekend will be the focus. Uh, we And then we'll do a roundup where we talk about women's basketball, but they play next week. Uh, so hopefully everybody's going to enjoy this. Uh, hopefully everybody got to watch some of the second half this week to find some joy in the game. Uh, we're brought to you, as always, by Mossy Creek Fly Fishing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. You can go by the shop anytime. Uh, please, please mention the podcast anytime you go. Um, bug them. If they look at you like you don't, they don't know what they're talking about, just tell them that they need to talk to Brian and Colby more and find out what the deal is. Um, <laughs> got to spend the weekend with Brian or a little bit of time on Saturday with Brian, and I'm, I'm sure we'll cover that eventually. Uh, but what we just, we love Mossy Creek. Go by. They're fantastic. It is time. It's all flooded out this week, Rob, so there's probably not much. Not much fishing going on this week, um, but it's time to go get your stuff and get ready for the spring season because the weather is finally warming up. I think we all realized on Saturday uh, we're not that far away from decent weather, right? <laughs> so, no, I think this weekend's looking really good, actually. Could, could yeah. be in the 50s. Yeah, so I, I don't understand all these things, um, but the team over there at Mossy Creek uh, will get you set up right there on 33, going into town in the old house. It's an awesome shop. Rob, I think we've both been in there. And I had talked to somebody this weekend who was like, yeah, I didn't know that that was, you guys have been advertising that, but it's that guy, um, Vince, that, you know, interacts with us on Twitter from time to time. He was like, yeah, I'd heard about the shop, but I didn't know that it was that cool. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like it's a really cool shop. So Flash shops are great in general. Like and yeah. we got a, another local shop up here. And one of the things I'm dying to do is, you know, you go by the shop and they're like, as soon as COVID's over, you got to come by Friday afternoon beers, beers and beer time, you know, like and, and fly time. So you go in there and you hang out. And I know the guys at Mossy do that. They got the Traeger grill, fire up some, some ribs, get some barbecue. So go in there, you know, post COVID that's, it, there are worse places to hang out than fly shops. I'll tell you that. <laughs> For sure. Um, Rob, the one other thing we want to say, you did an incredible job again this week um, with our new charity drive. We're so thrilled. I think the JMU community is starting to catch on to what's going on. This was the, am I saying it right? The West Valley Food Pantry. West Hills Food Pantry. West Hills Food Pantry outside Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, serves the greater Pittsburgh area where Robert Morris is located. So kind of it's a regional thing there. We chose that one just to try to, honor the opponent and, and do something good. In addition, you know, playing football and getting all fired up on Saturday, maybe we can kind of pay it forward, so to speak, and use our, our passion for the Dukes to do a little bit of good. And we're just asking for people, if they can, to make a small donation. We're saying five bucks. Uh, we'll, we'll choose a different charity every week. We did um, a different food pantry from 
where, where were we? What was Moorhead State, Kentucky. Moorhead, Kentucky. Feeding America, Kentucky Heartland last week. Or, yeah, and this week we did West Hills Food Pantry. Again, thank you to everybody who donated. Um, we really just can cannot appreciate the efforts more. And please keep it up. We've got another one on tap this week. I think, Todd, you've got you've got a charity that you're pretty excited about. If you want to tell everybody about that one. Yeah, just so everybody knows, we'll hit it again at the end of the show. But uh, this week we're playing at Elon. And we're not going to... You know, I used to live in Greensboro, so we're going to, which is right down the road from Elon, and we're going to do the Greensboro Urban Ministry. It's just an awesome organization in downtown Greensboro. They, they run a food pantry. They serve meals to homeless seven days a week. Uh, I did a lot of work with the Bar Association there. The Greensboro Bar um, does a lot of work with them, and it means a lot to me. So really hoping this week can be good. And, you know, just thank you to everybody who's doing this. Even just $5 a week is all we're trying to do. But for our friends like Andrea, we, we love you and we're thankful that you're out there um, being a part of this and I hope this can catch on a little bigger. And, you know, I, I love the idea. Somebody donated twenty one sixteen this week, um, $21.16. You know, I, I love the creative donations uh, for those of you out there. So if you want to do that, knock yourself out. Um, and, well, next week when the Dukes come home, um, we'll have a uh, we'll, we'll do a Valley charity next week when the Dukes are home in the CAA play. So, but this week will be the third um, third way to go, and it's Greensboro Urban Ministry, and we'll be pushing that out as the week goes along. Yeah, we'll get that up. We'll get up the, the pledge link site and put a link to it on the blog and on Twitter uh, probably Thursday afternoon. Yeah, so it's super easy to donate the way Rob's setting it up. Thank you, everybody. So with that, right to the football, Rob. Um, one reminder. <laughs> I think we should say tonight, uh, first of all, warning, JMU Sports Blog podcast may contain explicit content tonight, <laughs> um, I, I, just, just in case, I, I don't know, there will be an explicit rating on this pod just in case one of us uh, doesn't feel like editing certain th- certain reactions to certain plays this week. And secondly, our old rule has always been, I think we've uh, been pretty clear, we coaches and administrators are fair game. Players are 99% off limits. They are student athletes. And if they were at Alabama, maybe we'd feel differently, but they go to JMU and we're proud of all of them, uh, regardless of play. Uh, the one ca- the one like small exception to that rule has at times been quarterback of the football team. So uh, I think we can stay within our, within our guidelines <laughs> and we can be critical without going full-on crazy pitchforks that's and, right and really criticize and really taking personal attacks um i i mean it's kind of what you signed up for if you're willing to you know be a scholarship player yeah. you're gonna deal with criticism i i think that's fair game we can just do it in a respectful way we're, we're not gonna be calling for anybody's job or that's screaming true. or yelling or this guy stinks or that guy stinks but yeah there, there are times there, there was some play that wasn't great this weekend and we needed to talk about it so and that wasn't limited to one position so let's, oh no yeah, we'll get no. there um, so we're going to do one thing before we get to four downs, we're trying to focus the four downs on like, you know, specific items. And I thought, Rob, your, your post-game thoughts on the website, jamiesportsblog.com were really good, uh, you know, just from a bigger picture. And I thought we maybe each would give one big picture thought coming off this game this weekend. And, uh, you go ahead and go first here. Well, I just, uh, I mean, the big thing for me is that that was way more than Jamie bargained for, but exactly what Jamie needed. Um, 
I don't think there was really much to benefit from having a repeat of week one. You know, a completely easy victory, a Moorhead State type thing where you, you just steamroll everybody, you're never really tested. Um, we said last week we thought we saw signs of having some weapons in the passing game, and we wanted to see that progress. Um, this was an opportunity to do that, and whether they pass the test or not is, is probably based on which half you watched. Uh, so I, it just... They needed a tough game. Uh, if you pay attention to the FCS writ large, you'll see teams were getting knocked off left and right this weekend. Um, any, I, I'm a believer that you know, <laughs> a, a, any win is a good win. But you play these tune-up games so that you come into the CA play this week and you're really a little bit ahead of the game and you're ready to come in week in, week out and not be surprised and drop one. So I think... It looked like from from the fans' perspective, it looked like the team maybe didn't take Robert Morris as seriously as it should have, and they kind of got punched in the mouth. They didn't kind of. I mean, they got they got punched in the mouth the first half. Um, they they, they get needed punched that. in the mouth. Yeah, yeah, and they absolutely needed that. They needed. I don't want to say knock down a peg, but they needed to show that like you need to bring it every week. You can't take weeks off, and if you take even a playoff. Teams are going to come after you. Um, the, the the old cliche that, you know, every game is a Super Bowl for JMU's opponents or things like that, it's kind of true. I mean, Todd, you were at the game. Mm-hmm. From, from TV, it was obvious. Yep. Robert Morris was fired up. I mean, that was there. Yeah. Dave Thomas, I was listening on the radio when I was driving around a little bit, and Dave Thomas saying, like, this is their Daytona 500. It's, they open the season with their biggest game, mm-hmm. similar to how, how it works in NASCAR. Mm-hmm. They came ready to play. And that was great. They were a much better team than I thought they'd be. And you and I both were talking about, like, we knew they were going to be better. This was not the Robert Morris team from a couple of years ago. This is a team that has really stepped up, has put a lot of resources into the program. They're moving to the new conference in the Big South. So it was not at all what I expected, but it was probably the best thing that could have happened to JMU. was to, you know, take a real punch, come together, rally, and then win going away. But that was a real wake-up call, a real yeah. wake-up call for JMU. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's, it, it, ended, it actually, you know what, as stressful as it was, and as, it actually was a heck of a lot more fun for me as a fan yeah. th- than seeing a, a five-touchdown blowout. So it, it was a real yeah, game. You're tuned you, in you in the li- second half, like, what's going to happen here? Yeah. You, you got a little bit of a sweat yeah. going, you know? So it was good. It's all in all, just, that's it. It was, it was surprising, but I ultimately think that's going to be a blessing in disguise. What about you? Yeah, I was pretty proud. I had, yeah, I was pretty proud. I had picked like forty-one seventeen, and it mm-hmm. was thirty-six sixteen. Like I had not gotten carried away last week. Yeah, I, I did think Robert Morris. I mean, and this will be an interesting thing this year with the, even when the fan limits move up, it, nobody's having full stadiums. So it will be interesting to see. Robert Morris brought a lot of energy to the stadium, and you could tell I did. by the third play in the stadium, you're like, oh boy, like. <laughs> These kids came to play and, mm-hmm. you know, not to take anything away from them by complaining about JMU. Yeah, that was a, I hope you're right. And I think you are right, Rob, that this could be a real blessing in disguise for a group of kids that I don't, it's hard to blame them, right? They hadn't played in 13 months and then they went out and rolled a team last week. Yeah. And you can yell at 19 year olds all you want that that team last week wasn't good, but come on, like yeah. it's hard. So yeah, my big one, Rob, Big takeaway from this weekend, and it, I was reminded this week before we get into specifics, was that JMU has a superpower this year. 
And that superpower is depth. And they are going to try to use depth both at the top of the roster in terms of depth of really high talent players and at the bottom of the roster in terms of just like really capable players uh, who can play a role this year. And, and I think this goes not only for the spring season, but for the fall season. You know, Robert Morris had that linebacker who made a couple good plays, I think 94 or 95 early in the game. He got hurt. I mean, was like out on the field for a little bit. Then the kid that made the one of the many first half interceptions got hurt on the interception. And, you know, teams are going to wear down fast this year. And JMU is going to keep running the ball and they're going to keep rotating 8 million guys on the defensive line, which is all the more impressive because they're missing Ukwu, Jalen Green, Adibatar, like all the guys they don't have, but they're going to keep rotating. And I just feel like we're going to need, like you said, watching around the country, you know, Rob, our our, uh, spiritual mentors are uh, the guys from Shutdown Fullcast. And they always talk about in the FBS when there's a blood week. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And it's rare that a blood week happens in week two. But this was an absolute blood week at the mm-hmm. FTS level. I mean, from the top to the bottom of the top 25, 11 teams in the top 25 lost. Five of the top 11 lost, including NDSU, which is obviously the headline. NDSU didn't lose. They got hammered. Yeah, they got clobbered. Um, and we can add to overtime um, crazy FCS things that happened this weekend because there were two that I have never seen before that we can get to later. Um, but yeah, JMU hung in there. Their specialty, we'll get to the other parts, but my big thing from this weekend was thinking about the depth, not just in the spring, but in the fall. And I hope that JMU can continue to use all of its loaded, you know, top to bottom roster to just grind away on these teams going forward. And I just think that's going to be such a huge factor. this season. So, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So here's our four downs. Um, this is Mossy Creek four downs. Always uh, happy to, you know, get right into it, Rob. What did you, what was your, you know, what's your first down thing here? I, I got two or three listed for me, but. I, I got, we might as well just pull the bandaid yeah. off and just I, the, the quarterback play was kind of the story. I don't know if it deserves to be the only story, but it was certainly a big story. And you can look at that and you can look at those three interceptions by Cole and, and they were not good. Uh, Neither you nor I are going to sit here and and rationalize things or say, Oh, you know, he was hit this. I mean, three interceptions, three interceptions. And that's concerning. The play needs to be better. Um, But when the wheels were coming off and make no doubt about it, like they were definitely coming off. They were coming off. (laughs) You know, Signetti stuck with him and, and a lot of fans I'm sure were screaming like, no, put Gage in, put Gage in, you know, this is done. And, and Signetti proved why he knows his team better than we do. And he left Cole in there. I, I didn't think it was like the world's greatest drive for the touchdown, but he made some nice plays with his legs, um, made a throw. Was that, who, who was that to Sims or who scored the freshman Thornton scored the first one. All right, okay, but Thornton then, scored the first the, one, the long one down the sideline, and Wells scored the one at the end of the half that kept yeah. CJ in uh, the game. Yeah, I just like yeah. that wasn't the type of drive you draw, but it just Cole kept moving the sticks, and the whole team seemed to gain confidence. And then in the second half, it was just like they just kept playing, and they won going away. 
You know, we, we talk about everybody's like, oh, close game. They still, it was a three-score game. Um, so I just, I think it says more about Johnson, the way that he kept playing and bounced back, than, it do, than the three interceptions say. Like, that. that's my biggest takeaway. And maybe this is just me trying too hard to be positive or having, like, the purple glasses on. But I really believe that. A lot of players would have completely fallen apart a lot of teams would have been screaming mm-hmm. at each other or fights on the sideline. You didn't see any of that. It just seemed like they got a nope. you know splash of cold water in their face. Signetti kind of I don't know if he played a played a hunch or if he thought this was maybe as a coach, like this is good. He still thought they were good enough to win, and I'm gonna put Cole in there and see what he's made of. And I, I don't know, maybe if it didn't work out, that would have been it for him. I don't know. But it did work out. And it worked out wonderfully. I thought Johnson played really well in the second half. Um, he's still not he's still not there. You know, we're not saying that he is, but that was a huge step forward. And that was a test that he was failing in the first half, and he came back and and won the game yeah. and I thought played his best half of football of the year in the second half. So I was really, really impressed with his individual resilience, with the confidence the team showed in him, and the resilience the team showed as a whole. And just mm-hmm. we didn't see things splintering, and that had the recipe for not only the game going off the rails, but at the risk of being you know with a little bit of hyperbole, yeah. that could have been the whole season going off the rails. You that worry could have been the type of sure. thing you worry about it, like like lesser teams, more immature teams, lesser programs. That's the type of situation where you start seeing, you know, really dumb penalties and and late flags coming in there and things just going to hell. And that didn't happen. You know, they came back, they won. And it was a really, really good victory and a tough task passed passed for week two. Yeah. I'm glad you framed it in that way, Rob, because it obviously was frustrating for fans everywhere uh, watching it. I think it was particularly, you know, the second, I think it was, I can't, I get confused now the first or second interception. One of them was very frustrating because the thing we heard from Coach Signetti before the season about the decision to go with Cole over Gage was he's making the right decisions. He's checking down when he needs to. And one of those, he had a wide the open first check one, down. The first one, check down yeah, in the first flat. one had a Nobody wide open check down in the flat for a 10-yard gain and forced it into coverage and got it picked off. And that probably and that was the second time he'd done it on almost an identical play. The first one they didn't the Robert Morris didn't make the play on, but yeah. it, you know, that was frustrating. Um, you know, being in the stadium, seeing, you know, Gage got his helmet on, got his uh, wristband out. He was walking around. Um, you know, and I think seeing that he was, I was glad as always, I, I usually find him refreshing. He was refreshingly honest, you know, post game. And then today in the pressers about, he really was thinking like, this, this might be it. I might make a change at halftime. And then he said, you know, Cole really showed a lot that last drive before the half. And, you know, I have to give him credit, the coaching staff, you know, even if you made a change this week, even if you go back to the film and make a change, I like that they stuck it out, that they obviously believed what we're all freaking out as fans. And the coaches are saying, you know what? Everybody screwed up. The team wasn't ready. Cole wasn't ready. We're not ready. Coaching wise, there's lots of complaints here. Um, but we're better than Robert Morris and we're going to stick this out and win this game and we'll figure this out and see what we got, you know, and I was really impressed with the patience from them. So that was a good point. And then, you know, just that depth that we talked about before. I mean, 
I can't wait. That play from Antoine Wells Jr. That's yeah. that looked that looked like Riley with more speed. I'm sorry, it did. I was like, here we go. Like I, you know, I was like, I want to see this kid. And it was a good as a you know as a receiving um, critic myself. Um, I he came back to the ball all the yeah. way and gave Cole all the help he needed to make the play. Right, and his coming back to the ball allowed him to then turn and have the separation. So, yeah, it's a good point on Cole, Rob, and I. I'm excited to see what he has to offer. It's a fifth-year senior. And all of these kids, let's not forget, again, we're not trying to apologize for three interceptions. Uh, the last one was the best interception, but <laughs> the arm, arm punt, punt, right? Yeah. yeah. But but none of these kids have played live football in 13 months. And last week was a preseason scrimmage against the JV team. Like, you know, let's see what happens. That position is difficult. So. Well, Cole hasn't had the opportunity no, to battle back from, from, from a bad game. You know, like right. what his freshman year, he came and he played Elon, against Elon. At the end of the year, yeah. Elon, and they played against Villanova. And Villanova, it was, you know, he came in there when Shore got hurt. And it was right. basically like, defense is going to win this one for us. Um, see what you can do, kid. And he, what I, we need to go back and check the stats. Yeah. I think he was like yeah. five for 12. I mean, he, he he played yeah. quarterback. You would not say it was like a, he did not lead the team to a victory. He kept the team, from it. but it was a tough play. You know, it was coming as a freshman and do that. The Elon game, he was fine. Elon was terrible that year. And then the only time he came in that New Hampshire game. And that was the game. I mean, it was like every ball that anybody oh, yeah, yeah. from Jamie was getting picked, but he's never had the burden of like, Hey, you're the starter. When it's not going your way, you got to find a way to battle through it and win. That was the first time he did it. And you know, I mean, he, he had to battle. He dug himself a hole, um, a very deep hole. Yeah, yeah. But I no, give him a lot it's, of credit for, yeah. for hanging in there. And the one thing I like about Cole, the one thing, the only positive I took away, um, not the only, but one positive I took away from this week, you know, all the way back in that Villanova game, Rob, in 2016, when things were tough, he was not, he was little and skinny and baby giraffe and all that. And he was not afraid to tuck it and go. Yeah. And this week he got in trouble and, you know, he made a run, you know, he got stopped on the fourth down play, but there was a good, a couple good runs on the drive before the half. Um, two, I think. Two, two and one of them was designed, but the first one was kind of like, I got to go. And like, yeah. I don't want to throw another interception. I got to make a play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going all the way back. I, yeah. It's, it's, there, there are seeds of hope in a tough performance this week. So. Well, it's got, I mean, the JMU needs better play for the quarterback. For position. sure. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, but I think we saw that in the second half. That, that There are many players who would have completely fallen apart. Again, I've said that like 50 times, but he didn't. So that was another step forward, hopefully in his progression as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if it continues to happen, yeah, they'll make a change. We know that. But all in all, I, I just, it was, it's a tough position. You got to take a lot of criticism. You know, it, it's funny because like it comes to the territory, and you sign up when you agree to play yeah. quarterback. You know, you push on, but like w- when the running backs, you know, don't make the right run, it's like, oh, you know, the offense isn't clicking. No, nobody gets singled out like a quarterback, right, right, right. Um, and no, you know, no. it, it, these interceptions. The first one, I will say, it was not a good decision. He should have checked down, but he also was getting hit, which made the particular pass not that great. Um, 
But the offensive line wasn't really doing them any favors in the first half. Nobody was really clicking. The whole uh, there was a whole bunch. I think now. even the coaching staff, right? Yeah, I mean, I, that goes all the way up to the coaching staff, right? I thought there was a lot of like, like clearly Robert Morris, this was their first game of the year. And they'd had 13 months to prepare on film for JMU and they were ready. They were definitely <laughs> like, like, and that guy, I mean, it wasn't just cold. This was a top to bottom of the roster breakdown here, you know, yeah. on the on offensive, offensive side, side of the ball, ball. on the yeah. offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, that would be my second down Rob was while the offense um, was being terrible all the way around in the first half, yeah. um, the special teams, really single-handedly kept them in this game for yeah. large portions, right? Our, our love, you know, our favorite Harry O'Kelly. I mean, he was the offense <laughs> in the, in the first half, you know, he basically caused the safety and then he pinned them deep on another drive that, you know, led to a short field and a chance to score. I mean, they were great. And then obviously Ratke, uh, you know, playing, I just thought all the way around special teams were really solid this week. I liked everything I saw. Um, you know, Ratke is moving up all kinds of record boards and we, we all will have frustrations about the second half, not getting touchdowns and that kind of stuff, but he's kicking well. Uh, the kickoffs this week, they seemed, they kicked some in the end zone when they chose to, and they got them to fair catch inside, or they got them to run it back to short of the 25. Like, I thought that was clear. The, the transfer from Bridgewater seemed to be doing exactly what we hoped. And then Jack Schroba at the punt return, who had the fumble last week, was solid all the way around this week, even when he got destroyed, destroyed. twice during penalties, yeah. right? Like with yeah. penalties. So I was, I, I just, you know, all the way around, I thought uh, special teams was huge in this game. And some of the poor decisions that Robert Morris made on special teams, um, you, you know, only amplified how good JMU special teams were. And that's another one of those parts where top to bottom of the roster, it's just, we're really lucky to have veterans like Harry and Ethan, you know, playing in these crucial positions, uh, yeah. not having any problems with the snap. You know, I mean, Robert Morris is out there throwing it around just like Moorhead did last week. So, mm -hmm. you know, I just, all that was really good. So that was my, my second down. I guess, I guess for my, my yeah. second or our third, or yeah. I don't, whatever. I don't even know how to do this. Um, I, we got to sing out MJ Hampton. Ah, he was good. terrific. He That's was absolutely terrific. terrific. Yeah. Um, and not just that, you know, forced fumble not just that, that could not have come at, at a better time. I mean, that play was just, game. you know, play the game, really turn it around. At that point, I was like, okay, Jamie's going to win. Everything's going to be okay. Um, he just had that. He, he raised the energy level of his teammates. The defense, a lot of people... But it's so funny, like as fans, we all do it, but people were freaking out over like a couple completions. Oh, like, oh, the secondary is falling apart, you know, and oh, they gave up 16 points in the half. Robert Morris was gifted field position. No, they gave times. up seven. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was like it, yeah. the defense played very well, all things considered. Um, but I thought Hampton in particular was just a, a man amongst boys, particularly with Green being out for, for much of the game, you know, it didn't really come into later. Hampton played with a ton of energy. He was all over the field. He was tackling people left and right, but he just raised the energy level of his teammates, um, which is something that's critically important. As you mentioned, without fans in the stands, you need people to do it. The, the offense came out flat and there was no moping around. There was no screaming on the sidelines. It was just guys like Hampton going out there 
and doing their jobs and getting everybody going. And, and it's like everybody got on board and raised their level of play. So I thought he was outstanding on Saturday. That's a great point, Rob. I, I thought he was my player of the game for me. And you're right. The defense was, I mean, we all, you know, going back to this, they threw essentially a pick six. There was a one yard drive that they yeah. almost stopped him on, you know? Yeah, they did. <laughs> right. I mean, the, they, they, the field first field goal was a pick, I don't know, pick three, right? Mm-hmm. So 10 of the 16 points in the first half were given up by the offense. So the defense had that one drive in the second quarter where they get, you know, they misjudged the ball on the deep ball that the kid caught, you know, made a good play on. And the kid made a good play on that ball too, right? The one handed yeah. catch. Um, so yeah, that's all they gave up. And then that second half was dominant. I mean, yeah. we're talking like less than 50 yards of offense and no points. So I, for all our concerns about the defense coming into this year and Rob, you, the MJ Hampton thing is so encouraging because he's one of those guys we talked about before this season where Sam and all those hero sports national guys are writing about how JMU is only returning seven starters and da, 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 da. But he's and a you, guy who got a lot of reps. Right. And you and I yeah. talked about how DTD, Tucker Dorsey, who was the player of the game last week and Hampton this week, there's a lot of guys on this team who played a lot of snaps last year. You know, I don't even know if Azanima was technically a starter till the end of the year last year you know there's a lot of guys who played a lot of crucial downs and they are clearly ready to be the stars now and yeah i think that's right i think that's and we and i was glad to see just defensively before we get to fourth down i was glad to see that defensive line rotation there's some guys who are going to figure this out i think last week we watched a couple of the transfers and we were like "Hmm." and this week you saw abby okonje i probably saying that wrong from Minnesota and Cholowa both had plays in the backfield, the UCF transfer, you know, they're giving Mike green plays off. I mean, they're giving him time out and they're Thurston gruel. There's a bunch of guys playing and playing well. And I think that group's going to continue to develop as those guys get opportunities. So yeah. Awesome. Hampton at that Rover spot is so fun. Yeah. Yeah. So for my fourth down is kind of a guy we talked about. We we always talk about this guy, Rob, but he gets lost in the shuffle. And I think I got to say it. It's Jawan Hamilton. Yeah, I, I It's so funny, right? He really does. And I had a discussion this week at the game about the running back position and how do we rank them? And I don't know. Who cares? Like, yeah, they're all yeah, good. Percy's great. He's the lead dog. I get it. Right, Every, the crowd favorite is Latrell. You know, Van Horse Black, is a, Black could be coming for him on that. Right, right, right. Yeah, Black, but, yeah. but right, but uh, you know, Van Horse is a utility infielder who just does all kinds of things and is a speedster. But Hamilton played really well this week, and when yeah. the chips were kind of down, when this team was up against it a little bit, I felt like he was in there. And I don't know if there's a guy of all of those backs, Rob. He's the one that. If the play is botched, if the line makes a mistake up front and there's a guy in the backfield at the snap, he's the best at like not at like getting out of the backfield. Yeah. <laughs> like like Make, making a guy miss. Right. Making one guy miss out of nothing and making four mm-hmm. yards. Like mm-hmm. I, I just, you know, I wanted to bring him up just because I feel like he gets so lost in the shuffle 
and he's been around a while, but he was a transfer. So it's like, uh, you know, just we, we forget. But he's such a good player. And, you know, how many teams in the country would kill to have this guy? Yeah. I mean, and I and do it myself. Too. Yeah, I just, I just wanted to shout out Jawan Hamilton while we can this season and not get so ahead of ourselves rushing to get Palmer and Black and everybody else touches all the time when we when we have some veteran players who are really good. Yeah. No, that that's that's true. He does kind of get overlooked a little bit. Yeah. And he really is actually, he's just very consistent and and somebody who can, you know, get you those 4 or 5 yards when you need them. Yeah. And when he decides to cut outside, right? He's the one who can like he consistently can get to the corner. You know, like a lot of guys are like, no, I got to stay inside because I don't know if that's really if I can really get there. Can get and the Hamilton edge, can yeah. get there. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's fun to watch. So, look, on to next week, Rob. We got to talk about, I don't know, we're going to Elon. Um, as we talked about the, yeah, one part of the FCS bloodbath this weekend was, and an interesting part as it relates to JMU, Robert Morris who moved from the NEC to the Big South, is who JMU played this week. Elon got beat. They didn't just get beat. They got handled by Gardner-Webb out of the Big South this week. Uh, Robert Morris and Gardner-Webb were picked to finish fourth and fifth in the five-team Big South. That Big South is going to be a nightmare. That is now Monmouth, Kennesaw State, Charleston Southern, and then these two, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't know. Who, I, and the worst part about it is JMU is, if they're fortunate enough to make the playoffs, they're in all likelihood going to play one of these teams right out of the gate when they get to the playoffs. So, um, you know, no thanks to that. But, yeah, Elon got beat this week. They almost got beat last week by Davidson out of the Pioneer League. Uh, I don't know what to say. They're missing the quarterback, longtime quarterback, Davis Cheek, is hurt. They got beat. Is there one thing you're looking for this week, Rob? I, I have to almost imagine in my mind, just reading the scores this week, that Robert Morris is as as good or maybe significantly better than this Elon team. I don't know. Yeah, I I, I mean, Elon was a top 20 team. Yeah, they were 24th or something, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not going to be there anymore. I mean, they fell apart. And they've got some injuries, you know, cheap is down. Then I think their second string quarterback was hurt as well. Um, I, I'll say the same thing I said last week because we didn't see it this week. I, I want to see some improvement and more step forward at the quarterback play. There are weapons in this passing game. You know, we, we talked to one today. You get the guy, if you get the ball to these guys with space, they can make moves. They can do things. It's just, can we see the Johnson that we saw in the second half or the Johnson that Signetti describes? The one who makes the smart decisions, who makes the right throws, who realizes, you know, five yards is better than a pick. Um, I, I think the wake-up call t- took place on Saturday. Um, does he respond, yeah. you know, the way they did in the second half? Or are we starting from scratch again? If we're starting from scratch again, it's going to be a long season. It's going to be a really long season, and JMU is going to going to struggle because there were times that Robert Morris had eight guys within two yards of the line of scrimmage. You know, they, they were just they were they were getting to call and they were not worried about the passing game for stretches of plays. There, um, JMU's running game is right. good, but we're going to need to have something to counter to counterbalance it a little bit. And so, I want to see can they take a step forward? Um, 
Saturday. I think there was maybe two steps backwards and then two steps forward in the second mm-hmm. half. But I really want to see Cole play better. I want to see smarter decisions. I'm totally fine. You know, Signetti keeps using the term game manager. I'm fine. We talked about kind of maybe the, the ideal outcome I said would be an Alex Smith type performance, not a Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. I'm standing by that now more than ever. I just want somebody who makes smart decisions, mm-hmm. makes the plays that are there in front of him, and then you know maybe can can keep the sticks moving by running the ball when he when he needs to. But um, I was as impressed as I was with the second half. I was uh, not hitting the panic button, but I was was not thrilled <laughs> with the first half play. So I just want to see more progression, and I want to see them come up with a game plan that enables Cole to to make the smart decisions and get the ball in the hands of the playmakers. And there are several playmakers at the wide receiver position. So what about you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm actually, um, I mean, I'd like to see a little more creativity on offense in terms of, as you were saying, like, I don't mean to say like, this isn't pass more run more. It was just like, we got to put Cole in a position to succeed. And I thought the running game could be, you know, the running game was very predictable early in this game. And I think the coaches would be the first to say that. Um, but mine's a weird one. I know I always have these weird ones, but I, I think Rob, that this is the only game of the season that JMU is going to play on grass. And I'm kind of, I was thinking they play Richmond and William and Mary on both on the road. Who I think William Mary has turf now. They, yeah. Richmond has turf too. So, you know, the weather is looking decent but this is the first road trip. And so part of this was just like, I want to see how JMU handles the added distraction this weekend of the travel, you know, hitting the road. You know, this is their, I guess their longest trip of the regular season. I I don't, I don't know the exact distances to Elon or William and Mary, but you know, they're going on the road for the first time. This is the first two weeks have been pretty simple from a like, COVID protocol, how do we handle this? What the, what's the story? You know, how do we prepare for the game? Um, I don't know all those specifics of what the program is, how they're deciding to approach this. But I'm interested to see mentally how this team, you know, shows up at noon on Saturday is kind of the thing for me. Um, you know, I, I think there are more distractions and it's been a real, you know, they've had it easy to start the season at home. And you know they haven't had home field advantage per se, but they've, um, you know, that that's just for me what what it is. It's just going down there, playing on grass. Weather looks good. I think they're supposed to be, you know, partly sunny, decent weather. Supposed to be dry this week, so there's no real excuses here. I just uh, they've had great success down there. I'd like to see them continue it this week could, and, and kind of handle could, the could the whole like road trip and everything. Could that be an advantage? Like to me, I always see that like more focus because it looks like they kind of just took Saturday's game for granted. And I think it's easier to do when you've got an opponent you think you're overmatched and then it's a home game. And it's almost like you need to be a little bit more dialed in with a road game, particularly coming off a game where they almost embarrassed, you know, almost got embarrassed a little bit. So Mm -hmm. I'm almost more comfortable with this one being a road game for that. Like, hey, it's a business trip type thing. Everybody get together. I, I... I'm not particularly scared about Elon. I actually yeah. think Robert Morris might end up being a better football team when it's all said and done. Yeah. Um, but I like the idea of going on the road. I, I like the idea of, hey, let's all get in this together, circle the wagons. We really need to to play more as a team and treat this whole thing 
everything more seriously. Signetti made comments. I don't know if you heard him about like needing to send guys back to the locker room for, for proper uniforms and things like that. It just seemed like everything about Saturday screams that certain players <laughs> weren't really dialed in or focused. Um, and I think you've got a little more right. control of some of those things when you're on a road trip. Um, so maybe it could be a little bit of an advantage this week or it, or at least coming at the yeah, right time. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's tough. Well, I think that about takes us through the football part, right, Rob? I, um, you know, but speaking of home field advantage, Rob, <laughs> we got, we got a little bit of an announcement, today, don't we? We do. We're going to slide this into the middle of the podcast with no, no pre-warning to anyone. We didn't even put this at the beginning or drag on, but uh, Rob, you want to start us off here? <laughs> well, I think we need to introduce our new sponsor, Home Field Apparel. Um, yeah, we are. Uh, we are very excited about this. We feel like we're yeah. in the big time now. Home Field is a premium <laughs> collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, yes. They make amazing stuff. These guys do their homework. Cool stuff. They do not they do not just choose schools at random. They really choose schools and then they try to get to the heart of their culture and what makes their fans tick. They have done a terrific job with the JMU product launch, which they did last week to coincide with the kickoff of football season. Um they, they really, they outdid us. I'll tell you that. Like we consider ourselves to be some pretty hardcore Jamie sports geeks. And we learned something about this stuff. They pulled out logos from the track team from the seventies. Um, it is fantastic stuff. I know Todd, uh, we're very excited. We've got a couple orders on the way. I love the old school Duke script t-shirt. That's the one I'm most looking forward to. I think y- oh. you might have a pertinent affinity for the uh, crazy Duke dog. Is that, is that right? I do like the crazy. The crazy Duke dog is crazy because it looks like a Mike Tyson punch out character with the huge upper body and the small Mm -hmm. little body. Um, But the one I actually love is the JMU, like where the J flows into the M into the U, which is like the Taylor down under logo from our time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's cool. And then they have that round one. That's like the same thing, but all the way around it was on the Port Republic sign when they took the, the now like, so when they took the old JMU writing off to put the new JMU writing on the Port Republic sign, underneath the old JMU writing, they found the old, old JMU logo, which is that circular where it flows one into the other. And there's a gold version of that. So they're both pretty cool. And I have to admit, yeah, Rob, we consider ourselves kind of nerds about this. And it's really good. And like you mentioned the, the script one, but I saw the one with the Madison and the script Dukes on the football this weekend. Somebody bought it. So they just launched the JMU product a week ago. Yes. We were the only FCS school that they launched on week one, like right at noon. They were like our biggest FCS announcement yet. So it was cool. And I think we both are really excited about this. Um, We're definitely planning to rock some of these. We're, you know, it's funny for us because we have, I mean, we have two good friends who kind of do this business in other (laughs) ways. And, but we love this opportunity. And I just, you guys should go check it out. Um, homefieldapparel.com. You can check them out on their Twitter at homefieldapparel, but there's no E in apparel. So that's how you get it. And we're glad to say we have a, you can get a discount from us, right, Rob? Yes. 15% so, off your first purchase with the code yeah. JMU sports blog at checkout. So um, yeah. we all one we're, word we're all JMU sports now. blog at checkout. Yeah. You get 15% off. Um, go check out homefield apparel. These are the lunatics from Indiana who are have trying to been 
promoting nine Indiana for years <laughs> in the hopes that Indiana football will someday win nine games. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and look, if you don't, you know, I, I think most of our audience is pretty JMU specific. There's some cool shit on there, Rob. Those yeah. Hawaii rainbows shirts mm-hmm. are pretty great. The old school Hawaii logo and stuff. So go check it out at Home Field Apparel. Um, I don't think you'll be disappointed. It will definitely give you some cool options to your JMU wardrobe. So yeah, it's it's great stuff. With that, really, Rob, really happy to yeah, have them on board. For sure. So we got to move on to it is men's basketball CAA tourney week. And there are some people I'm going to have to put timestamps in the, in the, you know, the, the page for the pod, the webpage, like explaining this this week, because some people are just going to be tuning in for the basketball portion as we head into tourney week. Um, the Dukes are the number one seed and hosting the men's basketball CAA tournament this week. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, we I, have a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just real quick. Like I know it's a weird year and you know, they want it being what, eight and two or nine and two. So people, I thought it was really cool the way they celebrated the regular season championship. I think there's a lot of value in that. I think more so now than ever in this COVID year. I know other fans online were taking shots like, oh, keep well, yeah, I can believe they're celebrating and I'm damn proud of them for celebrating. Um, I thought it was really cool. It's it's an exciting time. Hopefully it represents turning the corner of the program. The only thing that sucked about it was seeing Matt Lewis and crutches. Um, that was just that was just heartbreaking. And for people that didn't hear about an hour before tip off on Friday before the Drexel game, they announced that not only was Lewis not playing Friday night, but he was done for the year and for his JMU career. He's moving on. He's going to be playing pro someplace next year. Uh, I would, I, I don't know about you. I was absolutely gutted when I heard this. Like it really crushed me. Um, I really didn't care at all about the result Friday night. I just wanted to, to you know, what can we do to get, get to next week and win it for Matt and everything. But it took a lot of wind out of my sails. And then to see Wooden, go down on the first play. Now it sounds like he's going to be back, but it was a tough break for a guy that we have talked about repeatedly for, you know, just for sticking it out. The guy had options to go anywhere else. And to, so to see him come this close and see the team still have a real shot to cut down the nets and go dancing. Um, it was just tough. It was bittersweet for me for sure. Yeah. It, I, Rob, I think I, I've had a few days to like think about this. I actually think it's the hardest injury news I've ever taken at JMU. And, and it, it's going to be overlooked because it's 2021 and that's the way things are. But I was thinking back and, and there was some discussion at the game on Saturday about VAD. Uh, obviously the VAD injury, the Rodney Landers injury, both of those, you know, are difficult. I mean, the Landers one, you know, everything happened in a quarter, right? Yeah. I mean, it was it was one game, one half. Like you didn't have time to sort of think about it. The that still might be the one long term that frustrates me the most, but it's it's hard to like think what if as much on that one. Where and the VAD one, you know, I feel terrible for VAD and for that team. I don't think they were winning championships that year with or without VAD. I think we all recognize that. And then the Kamaya Smalls injury a couple years ago is the one that this felt the most like right, right before the tournament, mm-hmm. um, for the women's program. And, but this was the hardest just because 
just what this kid has been through, what this season, how long this season has been for these kids. And um, it's his and career. I mean, he's it's a his career too. and and the potential that you felt like this team was had built towards. I have to say, short term, it was the most difficult one to take. Long term, I love some things I saw out of Coach Byington. I don't know if you saw this, Rob, but before the game, like he was out doing defensive drills with the team on the court. Coach Byington was. Yeah. yeah, like he was really I was impressed with like he was creatively trying to to I don't know what to say, up the morale, get, bring some spirit, some humor, some mm-hmm. you know, he was trying to get the kids to not focus on the fact that Matt Lewis was hurt and to focus on the game ahead of them. And they played pretty well the other night, especially considering the wooden injury early. Mm-hmm. Um, as Byington said today in his presser, they scored 78 points. It wasn't the offense like that he was concerned about against a good Drexel team. Um, you know, his point was we got to lock down on defense going into the tournament. And that's so, something Lewis, Lewis oh, did, yeah. and maybe fans weren't aware of. Like He was a very good defensive ball player. And they've got other ones. Strickland is an outstanding on-the-ball defender. Oh, he's going to be... All he's of these, be, this freshman class, I mean, him and Amadi are going to be something to watch yeah. for a while. But Lewis did a lot more than just score. I think a for lot sure. of fans had the misconception that he was just, oh, you know, the offense ran through him and he was high usage. And uh, I, I don't think those criticisms are valid. Yeah, definitely his first three years, it was out of necessity. But this year, he really, you know, w- was a part of that offense. It wasn't just, it wasn't a James Harden type situation where he's launching up, but mm-hmm. his defensive prowess will perhaps be missed more than, than anybody realizes. Yeah. I'm excited, but I'm also scared right now going into the tournament. Um, I think guys like Edwards and Strickland are going to get a chance to really fill the void offensively. Yeah. And the potential for them is sky high. Like I'm, you know, I think Morse will be Morse. I think Amadi will be Amadi. I think Jacobs will be Jacobs, you know, but some of the younger players, I think are going to get a chance to be more aggressive offensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my concern, I guess, as we head into the tournament, I don't know what you're thinking, Rob. I mean, obviously there's the defensive concern, um, but my concern is just that they can't, I think this team is still talented enough to win this tournament. I, I really do, especially if Wooden's healthy. I just don't know if they can put it together three nights in a row. Yeah quite the same way where Lewis was the player who could bail them out, you know, in the games when they struggle or when some guys aren't there, they really need the whole team collectively to be good for three nights in a row. Uh, and they're actually going to be sort of going in reverse. I, I, I think the energy in the arena has been pretty good the last couple of weeks with a pretty, you know, a small, but very mighty student crowd and the pet band. The last few weeks have been kind of fun for the players mm-hmm. and they're actually going, you know, this is not a home atmosphere for the CAA tournament. So there are not going to be fans for the CAA tournament. So, you know, even that as the number one seed, I, screw the rest of the CAA and all the people that are complaining about, by the way, you know, JMU won the regular season. I'm really glad they did the trophy. Matt Lewis was really glad they gave him the trophy. Right? Yeah. And, and, by the way, they're the number one seed. So if any team deserved to host the tournament, it was yeah. JMU. Right? JMU. So yeah, I'm just, tired of hearing about this from these other oh, schools. I'm so tired Nonsense. of it. Nonsense. So, yeah. Um, JMU is going into 
tournament as the number one seed. I guess they will play. I think they play the winner of the eight nine game. So that's Thursday, right? That's is it Wednesday or Thursday? I'm trying to. Uh, we're not helping you. Go to jmusports.com. Look up when the first game is. We're not in Pillow Fight Friday or Wednesday or whatever it is this year, Rob. Not only are we not in the Pillow Fight Day, Jamie won the regular season. I don't care what the asterisk is about COVID. This is a huge step forward. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. You know, and we can talk about this next week after hopefully Jamie has clinched a bid to the big dance. But even if they don't, this is a huge step forward. And I did notice that Shane Metlin reported that there are no, the NIT is going to be played, but there's only 16 teams in it this year. So there's no automatic bids. You know, the way they've been doing the past few years where if you won the regular season and you lost in your tournament, you were in. Yeah. You defaulted in. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Jamie is not likely to play. uh, Only the winner of the CAA tournament is likely to play in the postseason. It would be a surprise otherwise. Um, But I'm really excited to watch this week, Rob. I'm going to root for this team no matter what. And I think we all are. And I'm kind of excited for the opportunity for the other kids. I mean, and I think Byington is looking out for Lewis's future and looking out for the program's future by sending the message to every potential recruit down the road that if you're a player of the stature of Matt Lewis, we're not going to run you back out there or try to coax another 30 minutes out of you if that's not good for your personal development. You know? Yeah, that's a good point. A good message. Yeah. Because he's he's going to have a chance to play professional basketball. Um, I don't think he's looking to get drafted, but I do think, you know, maybe a two-way contract, similar to like what Nathan Knight landed with, and then you kind of play your way into the league from the G League. I think that's one potential path, but the most likely is probably Europe. But the guy's going to get paid money to go play basketball for a living. Um, yes. And probably do that for a number of years. So it it yeah. it is nice that they are showing some sort of consideration for that and not running them out there with one leg or anything. So, but it's still it's just heartbreaking. I, I thought the guy deserved it as much as any oh. player we've seen come through the program um, in the past 10, 20 years. And I'm happy for Jacobs as well. But Lewis is just a guy who I really, really think has has been maybe massively overlooked by a lot of fans just because the team was struggling so bad for much of his career. So if anybody deserved a chance to play in the NCAA tournament, um, it was him. So it, it's a really tough break. Yeah. 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 It really is. And, but I, I'm just, so, anyways, yeah, really tough break, but so excited for coach Byington and this JMU era. Uh, we have, we haven't been this excited since the end of the 2013 season, Rob. So that's eight years since we've had this kind of feeling about the team. And, and I think there's a better core coming back next year big time. than there was from the 2013 team. Oh, and I mean, we're going to be, I mean, we're going to be obnoxious among CAA fans next year, like heading into next basketball season. No doubt. Oh, yeah, It's going to be bad. I, I'm ready. I, I, we start right now. <laughs> Yeah. This team is the preseason favorite, and I don't want to hear about anybody else. So, yeah, we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, but I'm not writing them off this week. I'm, I'm interested to see what this team does. So we're all going to be watching late this week, and really looking forward to that. And I think that that's about it. We do want to go. It's so funny, Rob, because this weekend started on such a down note. With by the way, they had a chance to win that game. <laughs> um, but they lost Lewis and then they lost that game on Friday and we were also down. But I mean, I think Friday afternoon when we found out about Lewis, we were so down. 
the rest of this weekend wasn't like a really, really good, sneaky good JMU weekend all the way yeah. around, Rob. Um, mm-hmm. Lacrosse had a sort of a snow classico on Friday night, <laughs> you know, like the U.S. national team. They won 10 9 in overtime over the high Pictures point. were amazing. Incredible pictures. Yeah. I was driving down to the valley on Friday night um, in that snowstorm and was thinking, I can't believe lacrosse is playing right now. <laughs> like, this is such a mess. Uh, they won 10 9 in overtime. Uh, Dario LaCasey with the winner uh, from Casey Knobloch, who was really the star here. She's kind of like the Nick Backstrom of this team, it looks like, early on. And my favorite player since the championship team, Rob, that I've talked about forever, Emma Johnson, the uh, super veteran senior defender who came back, uh, played one of her better games in a JMU uniform on Friday night. Um, she had a bunch of defensive plays to really, you know, keep the ship on track. There was a little part in the middle of the game where High Point got some momentum and yeah, just really good lacrosse team held on at the number 12 ranking in the national rankings this week. That was their season opener, by the way. So it was really important to beat High Point, who's probably one of the better teams on their schedule, uh, unless they're able to reschedule with Virginia Tech and North Carolina, who they lost to. So congrats to lacrosse. Uh, volleyball had a sweep of UNCW, which doesn't happen every year for them. And I saw that I, uh, Veldman got rookie of the week in the CAA. So that's kind of cool. The women's basketball team won their last game. They beat Drexel. They moved to 13-9, and 9-6 nine, nine in the conference. They're sitting out now for this weekend, and they go to Elon for the conference tournament the following week. So we'll talk about that next week. Um, you know, talk about Coach O's group a little more next week. They are – it's weird. They're sort of in the number two slot, but I think they could move down. There are some other ge- – there are teams playing this week. Yeah, so the seeding's got a game in hand. Yeah, they're yeah yeah. So they're for the yeah the game in hand. Yes, <laughs> the hockey and soccer fans will understand the game in hand. But yeah, so, um, they will most likely JMU will play on March 11th uh, in the first game of the CA tournament. Just a quick shout out. I saw there were like four or five divers who made the NCAA meets. Rob, so that's pretty cool. Um, for swim and dive, wrapping up a probably one of the most challenging seasons of all the sports. They were a true winter sport like basketball, but have kind of been overlooked. And I mean, talk about a sport where it's tough to, I, I don't know, like locker room and just COVID in the auditorium. I, I have no idea. So congrats to those kids. Uh, I was really excited this weekend by two other events, though. Rob. We got to talk about two other teams before we wrap up. Softball, starting off how we all dream of. Yeah, went down to Charlottesville, swept UVA and George Washington. uh, 5-1, kind of took it to UVA in the first game. Uh, CeCe Alexander in the circle, fantastic. Uh, In the second game, came back. JMU, I think they were up 1-0, but they fell behind 4-1 in that game and had a huge rally late in the game. I mean, our old favorite, Kate Gordon and Logan Newton. I mean, some names we've heard before, but have been waiting to hear again the last couple of years. Um, brought them back from a good deficit, and they actually sort of pulled away in the end. Uh, the freshman, Alyssa Humphrey, came in the circle in relief and 
salted that thing away big time. JMU actually kind of cruised 8-4 at the end. There were a couple of home runs late. But that's a great start for a team that we, I mean, have high hopes for. I mean, and, and to see Humphrey, the freshman, on the mound, we know what Odyssey Alexander is going to bring. So we know they need a second arm, as this program always does. So this is a, that's an exciting start to the season. And then lastly, men's soccer, Rob. I don't know if you saw this, but came up here to my backyard here in Fairfax and stomped yeah. George Mason 3 nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rodrigo Robles was the freshman of the week in the CAA. Actually, had a friend uh, go to the game this weekend, um, cheering for a, a Mason, you know, sibling player uh, or a nephew player, and was kind of stunned that Mason, the Mason people were were not expecting to to sort of get get it handed to them that way. <laughs> so that was really fun to hear. Um, Big congrats to them. And men's soccer is ranked number 15th in the country, or number 15 in the country. So a couple, you know, I mean, softball's not ranked yet, but we know, every, and I think the country knows what Jamie's capable of, right? So yeah. those three programs, Lax, men's soccer, and softball, we, hopefully we'll have content all the way into the <laughs> into the summer, Rob. Yeah. Oh, and polls. The Jamie's number one in football. So oh, <laughs> I about that. Which I, oh, yeah. I, what, did you, what did you think about that? First of all, polls are dumb. Polls are dumb for FCS football because there's a playoff. Um, For these other sports, I think it's a little bit different, and I think there's maybe a little more merit to it. But I've always thought football polls were stupid. I I think they're so driven by inertia. And we saw it in the Mickey years. JMU would be ranked top 10 every year no matter what. And it's completely – It's just there's just inertia. Like if you're ranked high – you're not going to fall that much. Um, mm-hmm. I I personally, I think you shouldn't do polls until two or three weeks into the season. I don't think there's any point. The preseason is basically just people lazily saying, oh, they're bringing back 10 on this side and nine on this side. They were five last year. Okay, they're five again. Like there's no thought put in this. Now it's just North Dakota State number one, then everybody else, they stack them up. I would wait and say, wait until, you know, two, three weeks into the resume. I'd vote North Dakota number one. I think they're the only ones that have any sort of claim on paper. Yeah. They've got two really good wins. They have the best wins. They're the best wins. I mean, like they've, they've taken care of business. They beat South mm-hmm. Dakota state over the weekend. They beat Southern Illinois last week, who then came and clobbered North Dakota state. So for me, like if you're looking at the games being played, they're the most impressive team, but they're hovering what in the probably bottom portion of the top 10, if I'm guessing. I don't know yeah, because they, they came in in the teens. You're only going to move up so much. Um, I mean, fine. If, if JMU is going to be number one, great. If that's some sort of motivator, terrific. I think it puts more of a target on their back. Um, maybe that's a good thing. I just, I would hope that the, that it doesn't go to the players' heads or the coaches. Like, I wonder if the coaches are excited about this or if they're just like, crap. Now well, these guys are going to think right. that they're tough things. Like, I, I, as much as I love JMU, mm-hmm. I would not rank them number one right now. I just, I wouldn't, I, I think they're good. I think they've got the potential to go far, but it's basically because nobody else has been that impressive of the usual suspects, you know, South Dakota That's state, North Dakota is. state, yeah. both, both have their losses. So I'm discounting, but North Dakota looks like a legitimate team. There could be other teams yeah. that we're not really paying attention to or sitting there two and zero, but who aren't one of those usual suspects and are, you know, in the 20 or the, an Albany from last year, so to speak, you know, like, and I think this year, 
it, it might be easier since there was a complete bloodbath over the weekend. But my gut tells me oh. that we could be looking at the, the the playoffs this year could be very different than years past. And it could be some new players, some new entrants. And I don't know. Uh, I guess, should we be excited Jamie was number one? Maybe we should, but I really I don't care. Number it, one. It, yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, wow, they're number one. Yeah. We've, we've been there. I, I've never really celebrated number one ranking. I've celebrated championships, and that's a hell of a lot more yeah. fun to me. So I'm not going to jump, jump up and down over this. I don't have a vote. I don't ever want to vote. I don't really care. But if I did, I'd be voting North Dakota based on their bounty work. What, what do you think? Are you excited about this? Do you, yeah, I, do you care about number one ranking? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm always excited. I care because of what it means to my selling it to our more casual, interested fans, right? Yeah. Our, our friends that are more casually interested to say, I like that. I will say that I'm with you. I don't think JMU, that game this weekend, uh, I don't think they're number one. I mean, I, I don't mean that they're not. I mean, I put them in the top three. But I'll say from a individual standpoint, I, it doesn't matter to me. And I, the one thing, I'm, I'm not worried about JMU because they didn't play well against Robert Morris. So from a coaching standpoint this week, I don't think they – the kids know. They're having a rough week of practice. They're not looking at the number one ranking. They're looking at the <laughs> film from that first half, right? Yeah. So I, I think they're okay from a JMU perspective. I agree with you. I think North Dakota has the two best wins for sure. And I think Weber State – who brought back an awful lot. Yeah. Um, you know, want to know, right. And they blasted Idaho state or yeah, they blasted their opponent. Yeah. And a conference opponent. I mean, not to, not to knock Robert Morris again, but they, that was a, a a real win for them. So I, you know, I don't have a problem. I certainly am not going to complain about any national writers or national pollsters who put JMU as say number three in their ballot or number two in their ballot. Like I, I'm not going to say there's some bias or weird nonsense. I, it's also the whole thing is nonsense this year because there's half the teams in the in the poll are zero at zero. Yeah, <laughs> I mean Villanova, New Hampshire. Villanova, Villanova moved up without playing. Yeah, right. right. Um, and I will say this: I'm just happy Jamie's still there. I mean, I watched the poll this week, and I'm like, NDSU. If you're being honest, they could drop as far as like ten. Yeah, like. Like there were crazy. I mean, Furman got beat by VMI this week. Yeah. Like I, I have no idea what to make of this. I mean, a school like Incarnate Word, which I would normally make fun of, beat McNeese, who had beaten, I don't know, somebody. That we, uh, the whole thing, Tarleton, who last week we got all excited about FBS win, and then they go out and lose to Dixie State. By the way, that's a thing we're going to have to learn about. Dixie State is in yeah. Utah. They're called the Trailblazers. I, I don't know what this is. Um, the one thing I'm excited about, Rob, there's a not unrealistic path to a JMU Weber State title game in May. And then run it back in the fall. And then they go to Ogden in September, and then Weber State comes back to Harrisonburg next year. You know, we've played two really fun games in Bridgeforth. I mean, that is the Radke legend, mm-hmm. right? Already, they have to hate us, right? I mean, Weber must hate JMU. Yeah. You know, last year there was all that weirdness with their dork quarterback, and I don't know what was, but regardless, like, it's not, I, I like the idea of a potential, you know, cross country rival other than NDSU um, coming to the forefront. So, 
I was looking at immediately when I sat back Saturday night, I was like, wow, this could be this could really be growing into something. I, I don't know. I mean, at least I feel like their fans are developing into a fan base that cares. And I like that. And in the absence of the Montana schools, it would be exciting to see some other teams that care. And I, and I'm sure the North, if I'm a North Dakota fighting Hawk alum, I'm out of control this week. <laughs> <laughs> like with NDSU going down and not just going down, like getting handled um, by SIU. So yeah, fun week. And uh, Rob, we did see two things I've never seen before in FCS. I, I don't know if you saw the highlight of the Eastern Washington, Idaho game, the kickoff or the field, or the, goal, the field goal, the field goal. Yeah. So, you know, both Idaho schools play in like what appear to be domes that were built by your children. Yeah. And Eastern Washington kicked a field goal this weekend that went directly through the uprights and hit the back of the dome and came back. And somehow the ref missed it and called it no good. And there was no... It's non-reviewable. It's non-reviewable? But it was just like, what What are we doing? <laughs> I don't know. And I know Idaho plays in a dome all the time. So it's not, it's not just a COVID thing. But it did feel like this is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Um, and then the second thing was, I don't know if you saw the Youngstown State coach almost killed a kid. The hip check? <laughs> yeah. yeah, or the shoulder. Yeah, I saw the that. The kid from the opponent this week ran out of bounds, and the Youngstown State coach dropped a shoulder, and he's no longer going to be allowed on the sidelines of Youngstown State games going forward. Um, I just was like, wow, we are in full FCS land here. <laughs> yeah, or Woody Hayes. Yeah. Woody Hayes with these two, though, yeah. So that was, it was all fun. I, I hope that more people, I did enjoy Rob this weekend. I felt like there is a little bit of a, um, you know, the college football nerd verse is realizing slowly that this is going on. And certainly when NDSU lost, that was uh, like, that registered. yeah, that registered on the national radar. And I hope that at least the people, you know, if you're a Purdue fan or a Mississippi state fan, you know, if you have that kind of commitment to college football, I, I hope that those people will turn and enjoy the fun that is this season. So, yeah. But for overtime tonight, Rob, you brought up something last week and you got a lot of traction um, talking to people last week. I think people were excited. I wanted to ask you, what's one other podcast that you're listening to these days? Oh, I, I listen to a lot of Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Uh, that, that's a good one. And that's just, Conan and a guest and whatever he chats and he's funny. So that, that's a good one that I really like. And I also really enjoy smartless. That's the one with, um, that's the one I was interested in. Yeah. Will Arnett, Jason Bateman and Sean, the guy from Will and Grace, his name's Skip. Uh, whatever. Okay. It's yeah. very simple premise. It's three people. One of them books a guest doesn't tell the other two. So it's a surprise. And then they just have a conversation, but they, they all are like really good friends. Oh. They've got really good rapport. And just they've got interesting guests. Like I listen to Brian Cranston. Um, they had David Chang on the Chef. They had um, Hootie, whatever Darius Rucker. So it's just random, random yeah. guys, gals that yeah. go on there. Really interesting and just fun conversation. So they're really they're both I think good ones you can just put on for a bike ride or a run and kind of get lost in. So Conan O'Brien needs a friend and Smartless. Those are two of my favorites right now. What about you? What are you listening Very to? Very cool. Yeah, mine are both music things. Um, I have to admit, you know, Rob, we, we kind of, we have a love hate with the ringer group of stuff, you know, uh, the Simmons core, but that 
60 songs that explain the 90s with Robert Villa. It's really good. It's really, really funny. And I know it's just like watching Cobra Kai or Stranger Things. They're just like, we're a nostalgia act now. And they're just Mm -hmm. pushing our buttons. But man, is it, it is fun to watch them like talk about the Ghetto Boys or explain how No Doubt sold 16 million CDs. (laughs) Like, like there are things in there that, uh, I don't know. I really enjoyed. There's one about the breeders. There's some really like funny stuff that I enjoyed on that one. And then the other one is a music one. Um, you know, I've talked so much about Hanif Abdur-Rakib, the guy who wrote the tribe book. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has a podcast that's pretty new called object of sound. Mm-hmm. And this is a really like, it's kind of nerding out. Um, last week with Matt Berenger from the national, but national. Okay. they've had like Jamila Woods. And, um, it's more like, it's much more, um, I don't know what to say. It is a way over my head in terms of music theory podcast. They had uh, Michelle and David Cello talking about Baldwin and like all this cool stuff. That's like way and sort of deeper than I would normally go with something but he's just such a gracious, like kind of interesting voice that I've really enjoyed object of sound. So those are cool. You ever listen to song exploder? I have. It's very. It's like yeah. that, but it's different. And then he brings on a guest to, to sort of talk about it. Okay. Um, so it's not specifically about a particular of one song, song the way that Song Exploder is, but it is kind of in that vein. Um, the Rob Harvilla podcast, the '90s one, is much more like Song Exploder for the '90s. It's just like a music critic geeking out about stupid things from the '90s. So. You know, that's kind of our wheelhouse at this point, Rob. So. <laughs> no, I mean, I, Simmons annoys me like he annoys everybody right. else. But I think the Ringer Podcast Network is terrific. There's some really good yeah. ones. And it's kind of like something for everyone, too. You know, it's not just yeah. sports and stuff. There's cool stuff there. So awesome. Yeah. So well, my battery. Well, this was a out, fun so. week. To- yeah. <laughs> and my, my laptop's about ready to die. So we've been going on for, what, minute, hour and 14. So we better wrap this one up. That's right. No, people love the long one. No, um, no, it's good. We had a lot to talk about. It was funny talking to the JMU people. Last thing I'll say, Rob, um, just huge thanks. I, I, I'm so bummed you weren't able to be there, but I'm glad that you had a good weekend. Uh, just huge thanks, Scooter, Cliff, Mike, McKenna, Jeff, Paula, Jeff. Um, you guys know I had a really unique JMU experience and I've been hesitant to talk about the fact I got to go to the game this weekend. Um, it was really fantastic and I'm very appreciative of the Duke club for making it happen. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Brian from Mossy Creek got to go with me and we just had a really good time. Um, the Susie and Suzanne got to go some old JMU folks. It was really fun. I got to talk to Mike and Beth Funkhauser after the game. It, it just was a, it was a unique experience. I've been, I didn't know how to approach it during COVID. Like, should I be excited? Should I not be excited? It was really fun. Um, I'm really excited. There's going to be a few more fans. I hope more people get to experience this for Steve and the people I didn't get to talk to. I'm sorry. It's you you guys know it's a weird situation, Um, but it was a lot of fun and I can't say thanks enough. And to everybody out there, I mean, man, (laughs) the JMU people, the Duke club people, They've had a rough year too, and they're nervous about the future. And for those of you that can support, continue supporting, it, it means the world to them. And it, it just, it's, it's keeping the 
whole thing afloat down there. So I just, I, I, I could never say thank you enough. It was really, really fun, Rob. Um, I, I did see Alger briefly on the way out, but didn't get to say hi, but it was interesting. It's, it's such a weird dynamic. Cause they're like, all these people are like, you can't go and talk to anybody else. Like you can only talk to the people you go with, yeah. you know? So it's just a, it's, it's a very, I think Jimmy Moreland was there, but I didn't get to go. Like normally I'd be like running down there to get an autograph or something, but you don't get to like do that. So it's just a weird thing, but it is super fun. And I just can't wait to have our whole, I can't wait to be back in D lot with our friends. You know, that's really what I can't wait for. So it was great. So thank you to the Duke club and everybody for making it happen and making it such a special weekend for me and my crew. So, Rob, yeah, I hope we'll get to go well. in the playoffs. Yeah. Thanks. Yep. So Rob, I will talk to you next week. Uh, hopefully off a win over Elon. And I mean, could we have a tourney bid to talk about? I don't, I, we might. I don't let's know. Not, let's not jinx it. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> All right. Rob, I'll talk to you next week, man. All right, cool. Later. All right. Go Dukes. Southern son of Caroline. Proud of who I am and where I'm from. But I ain't so proud of how far we've come. On the backs of the poor, these towns were built. For every ounce of pride comes a pound of guilt. There's a shadow here, looms long. It's always one step forward and two steps back. Sing your song, boy, shut your